As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Welcome to Athletics Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined by El Nino himself. The kid, the god, the legend. Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic Coming to us live from an airport lounge in an undisclosed location somewhere in the Midwest. But we needed to podcast, folks, because there's news, hard news. Grant Williams has been, I guess, officially traded, signed, and then traded to the Dallas Mavericks on a four-year, $53 million deal. Brad Stevens accumulating second-round picks left and right. I think he's got seven so far in this offseason. Um but it's been a, an interesting offseason for Brad Stevens because if you just look at the talent, the people who were on the court last year, they basically swapped out Marcus Smart and Grant Williams and have only brought in Chris Tapp's Porzingis. And I think there's a, a bet on the maybe that fit. Are, oh. are you just overlooking O'Shea Brissett and Jordan I Walsh? I am overlooking both of them and that Delano other guy. Banton. Yeah, everyone's talking about Delano Banton, like they know who he was before the Celtics signed him. They're liars. Um, My brother's a huge Delano Banton fan. Yeah, the King family doesn't count with their basketball knowledge because you can name me Syracuse's point guard for the 2009 season. Sure, let me check. No, you can't check. This is supposed to be uh, Jay King's knowledge off the top of the dome. But I was trying to say is that if you just look at Marcus Smart, Grant Williams leaving... Chris Tapps, Porzingis in. Oh, it was indeed Eric Devendorf, by the way. Oh, well, well, thank God we got that settled. The Celtics are worse. The Celtics are worse, have less talent to go ahead into next season than I think they ended the season with. And I think there's uh, they're banking on okay. fit. Are you are you writing off Chris Tapps, Porzingis as less talented than Marcus Smart and Grant Williams? I think combined? he's less talented combined than whatever Marcus Smart and Grant Williams give you i'm not completely saying that they're going to be necessarily a worse team i think there's an argument to be made that like 
fit size. You can put that together, like only five guys on a basketball court. And, you know, there's only so much you can do with that much depth. Like they only ended up playing eight guys in the playoffs. And so maybe guys nine and 10 matter less. But I just think in terms of amount of talent going in, amount of talent going out, the Celtics are now worse. And I think it makes sense just from like the long-term financial planning of the team to not sign Grant to that deal. Um, although that's a relatively cheap deal kind of considering where we thought Grant might get last year, but with the new kind of second apron, I think it makes sense not to necessarily match that, but in terms of going for it, in terms of talent, I think this team's better if they have Grant Williams coming off the bench than if they do not. I, I mean, obviously from a talent standpoint, matching that offer sheet instead of agreeing to a sign and a trade agreement would have helped but the reality is the new collective bargaining agreement has serious restrictions for teams that go over the second apron and matching basically any offer sheet for grant williams would have put the celtics over that second apron they're still going to be pretty close probably won't have use of even the taxpayer exception They'll, they'll just have veteran minimum contracts to fill out the rest of the roster it's it's a it's a it's not just a money deal, but it's also a future flexibility deal. And I think it's one of the first cases where the new collective bargaining agreement is has been really important across the league and teams feel that. I think if this had been the old CBA, the Celtics just match whatever and keep Grant Williams and don't worry about those extra second round picks they picked up because he is valuable. He can play in the playoffs. He can guard a lot of different guys. And But the reality is if they had done that, they would have been strapping themselves um, for a guy who would probably be their eighth best player, ninth best player. And, and who plays, similar position, same position as the starting big man they just picked up and are expected to extend. So I I get why they lost him, but they're they're worse because they lost Grant Williams. And he's a guy who he just proved his worth time after time against some of the better players in the league. And I think that's what they're gonna miss. Like Sam Hauser can play a Plenty of minutes during the regular season. We saw that they thrived with him on the court last season. He's a great, great shooter, better shooter than Grant Williams. But what do you do in the playoffs? Is Sam Hauser going to be able to hold up defensively in the playoffs? Are you going to be able to trust him in the playoffs against the Jimmy Butlers, the Giannis's, the everybody, like all the best guys? And I don't know if the answer to that is yes. We'll see. And And the Celtics, they lost a lot of toughness so far. They lost a lot of energy from a day-to-day basis with Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. Their forwards on the bench are now Sam Hauser, O'Shea Brissett, Delano Banton, and Jordan Walsh. Are you confident in that group heading into the 2023-24 season? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be in love with that group, especially one of the things that you should be trying to do is get more rest for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, oh well, they they gave up on that, and I just don't know if you have the pieces right now to to do that. Um, I understand the moves 
and I think in a, a vacuum, I, I know some, a couple of guys in front offices around the league say that their projections or whatever say the Celtics got like added wins by trading Marcus Smart for Chris Asporzingis, and they got two first round picks on top of that. So it on like on paper, some of this makes sense, but I just think there are holes that the Celtics have left themselves with. And part of that is the new CBA. And part of it is just um, like you're just going to have to develop new sources of toughness. And we'll see how it how it looks, how it works. Um, but they're going to be a lot different. And and I don't think the depth as it was before. Obviously, the depth isn't the same now. Grant Williams was really important to them, and they lost him without adding a player. I mean, I think under the new CBA, all teams are going to struggle with depth just because you're just not going to be able to pay those kind of mid-level guys like Grant, you just can't give them a contract. I think they could have, I guess, matched this and kind of explored, been more aggressive and maybe looking for a Malcolm Brogdon trade or um, just dealt with being over the second apron. But it's just this way to feel like the new CBA is going to go is that you're going to pay your two max slot guys and you're maybe going to have some the starters around him, but you're, you're just not going to be paying a lot of money for um, – kind of that that bench depth and i think the thing that's interesting about the Celtics is they just, you, there's such a loss in with marcus smart leaving and great williams leaving and toughness and physicality and i'm that's not to say that like other guys can't step up and fill that void but we just haven't seen anyone on the roster necessarily that be their their thing and so it's up yeah, to them right to kind now. of step up and prove it but like given the track record of everyone who's currently on the team, there's no toughness guy. There's no physicality guy. And I, my biggest concern is like, what is, what happens to the, like the, that team on defense when they, cause I feel like toughness and physicality is, is most important on the defensive end of the court where you're just like not letting other teams get to their spots. Um, and the thing I'm remembering just about Grant Williams and from this playoffs is just, battles against Joel Embiid where he was picking him up and just being physical with him as soon as he stepped within the the three-point line. And this, like, where is the kind of guy who's just going to be annoying, who's going to be physical, who's going to make it that much harder on the other team to, to execute on offense and just be kind of the thorn in the side because you lost your two thorn in the guy, thorn in the side guys in, in Marcus and Grant. And I just don't know what the source of that is on the current Celtics roster. Yeah, and if you look at just defensive versatility, it's Jason Tatum. It's Jalen Brown. And who? Who who else can can switch and guard multiple positions and be trusted to stay on the court? Because O'Shea Brissett can probably give you some of that. Delano Banton can probably give you some of that. I don't know how many minutes those guys are going to play. I don't think the Celtics acquired them with the idea that they'll be consistent minute getters on a regular basis. So the depth of physicality and the depth of defensive versatility just isn't the same as it used to be. And, and that, that's okay. If you're trying to play different, obviously with Chris Asporzingis probably playing, I would guess a lot of four now. Um, I would guess he'll play next to Robert Williams, next to Al Horford quite a bit because they don't really have, I mean, O'Shea Brissett 
plays four, I guess. Jordan Walsh could play four. But Sam Hauser is more of a three, I think. And and there's like an obvious lack of depth for them in like bigger wings. And they've tried to fill it, but it's really hard to fill those holes with veteran minimum contracts. And I think you've seen that like Banton and Brissett, they're, they're both interesting pieces, especially defensively. They both have a lot of length, which is cool. But they haven't really been valuable rotation pieces elsewhere. And and this like the Celtics, they're just thinner. And there's a lot on Sam Hauser now, I think. And and he's probably probably ready for it, honestly. Like giving Sam Hauser minutes in the playoffs, I think you're gonna be fine with that. I don't think that's really an issue. And I think maybe offensively that could even help his movement, his three point shooting, his just presence that other teams have to. But, and who knows, maybe they still have a deal left in them. Maybe this isn't the final roster. I, I still look at this, their situation and see how many first round picks they have. And now there's just kind of like, even though they got Brissett, even though they got Ben, even though they got Jordan Walsh, who I don't really expect to do much as a rookie, there's just, a lack of size and athleticism on guys that you can also on the offensive end. And like that would be be pretty helpful to get another one of those guys. I don't know. I mean, is it is it worth at, trading Malcolm Brogdon for just like a bat like Malcolm Brogdon is pretty much your he's the sixth man of the year last year. He sets up to be the sixth man still. He's the guy who's gonna run the offense when Jason Tatum's on the bench. He is a source of probably like 15 to 18 points a game. Is it worth, and that's the only like kind of logical chip to deal at this point. Cause I think he's the most valuable on the bench and he has the biggest contract. So if you're also trying to make a deal for future flexibility, I think he makes sense in a move, but is it worth giving up? Um, I think people at this point underrate kind of how good Malcolm Brogdon was last year because he wasn't, because he had that injury in the playoffs and wasn't as productive. But Malcolm Brogdon was a very good offensive basketball player for the Celtics the, uh, last year. I think he won them a lot of games, or at least kept them ahead in a lot of games. Is it worth giving up that piece, the sixth man of the year, just to have backups in the positions where you're, where you're, it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two guys presumably you want playing over 35 minutes a night. And so is it worth giving up a valuable piece just to kind of have some insurance there or maybe help help play those guys less minutes throughout the regular season. Maybe. Um, uh, but I, I don't know what Malcolm Brogdon trade is out there that would help. And then if you lose Malcolm Brogdon, your depth at point guard is pretty much non-existent. It's Derek oh, White. Who, and Peyton Pritchard. You're getting Peyton Pritchard a lot of minutes that then. Yeah. So at this point, I don't know. I think – uh, but I do I do look around at other situations and wonder should they be making a run at Pascal Siakam? Should they be making a run at OG and Anobi? The Raptors they lost Fred Van Vliet. Those guys are both entering the final seasons of their contracts, and they they would make a lot of sense now uh, for this team. They would allow you to play small with Chris Apps Porzingis at center. They would allow you to but and. But it'd be a risk on a guy who could be just a rental. 
the Damian Lillard situation is still out there. Could the Celtics get involved there? Could they do it without moving Jalen Brown? I don't know. I don't think the Miami offer is like some huge offer, but all the all the noise suggests that's where Lillard wants to go, and normally stars go where they want to go. So I don't know. It it just feels like, and maybe it's just because of the new CBA. Maybe it's because the but it, it just feels like this Celtics roster just needs another wing, another forward they can rely on behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I think like I mean, Sam Hauser what would you have described for, would you have described Grant Williams as a wing they could rely on last year? I mean he a forward, a forward. Power okay. forward. And I think on top of like the ability to play the four and guard smaller guys and switch and be physical and all that, I think it's also they're going to miss his ability to just guard big men, guard centers, guard the Embiid's and Jokic's of the world because Chris Porzingis and Robert Williams are not the most physically strong players in the league. And it, it's putting a lot on Horford in those matchups to have him be the one banging with those guys all the time. And maybe the Celtics can find somebody else for cheap. Maybe Brissett can, can do some of that. I don't really know, but the, the Grant Williams loss is not nothing at all. And I do like the fi- finances and new CBA dictated a, was a real possibility coming into the summer, and especially after they added salary to take on Porzingis. But they're they're going to have to find depth, and and we'll see if they're deep enough. Like the, they're going to have to be better at the top, maybe because their depth isn't the same. Is there going to be any team under this new CBA in the NBA that we're going to clarify, like say, oh, they have a super deep team? Like I just don't know if that's like a con, like a, a a team construct that like it really exists anymore. If I'm still looking around the NBA, around whose roster would I most want to have heading into next season? I think I would say the Nuggets. I think I would say the Bucks, and then I don't have another team that I'm like, yeah, that team that team's like definitively better than the Boston Celtics just in terms of roster. And the Celtics don't even have 15 players on their roster yet. The Celtics have, what, 11, 12? But I still like just the with the top two anchors of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I still think I like the Celtics roster better than any other team that's like, they're still very much championship contenders. And I just don't know if having a team that's 9, 10 deep Unless it's a bunch of guys on rookie scale contracts, I just don't know if that's going to be like a, a thing under this CBA. I just don't see it uh, unless you're a team like the Thunder or the Rockets who are making three or four draft picks every year. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's part of it. And if you look, if you look ahead, factoring in the the possible Jalen Brown supermax extension, I have the Celtics down for. million ish in salary for the 2024 25 season. And that's without Grant Williams. That's without any money for Grant Williams. So him walking obviously doesn't change that, but that's just a lot of money. And they're going to be up close to the second apron 
then, and that's before Jason Tatum's possible super max extension kicks in. So they're going to be up against it. And a lot of teams are going to be up against it, just building out the the depth pieces. Um, so yeah, it's it's just it, I think it's part of the start of the decision making process that the Celtics will have to make, and that every team will have to make. Now that there are so many restrictions, I'm going over that second April, and I think there will still be teams that go over it, and but going over it is basically going to signal like, all right, we're all in. This is our group. This is who we need moving forward. Or like, to me, you do that if you have clearly the best chance of anyone to win a title or like you're you're that good. And I don't think the Celtics are that. I think they're one of the teams with a chance to win a title, but they're not clear favorites. They're not. You look around the, the NBA and think that's definitely the team. And so going over the second apron now probably would have been in some ways pretty foolish, um, especially knowing that your your books are only going to get more expensive and, and tougher to to those contracts tougher to hold on to in in subsequent years. I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think Grant Williams as good of a like productive as a player he was. Great three point shooter size physicality could switch great human being did all the stuff in the community was nice enough to play me in board games i don't think he's the difference between the celtics winning a championship and losing a championship like i don't think that they're no longer contenders because of it i do think their depth is hurting a little bit but i don't think that's like the key piece i do think that they would like be better if he was on the team but I don't think the lack of Grant Williams is going to be the thing standing in their way. The thing that's very interesting to me in losing Marcus Smart, in losing Grant Williams, bringing in Chris Tapps Porzingis, is just how different stylistically it feels like the Celtics are going to play, just especially on the defensive end, when they were such a team that was like, we're going to switch everything. Those are two very, very switchable guys who can be physical. And it feels like now that the calculation is, Maybe we're playing a little bit more of a traditional defense. You know what? We're going to have a do, lot yeah, of do you guard more. Do they guard more like Milwaukee? Like it, just like, force well, guys have, to the hoop? and Yeah, we have two seven footers now, presumably in the starting lineup. Like we have a seven foot power forward and we have Robert Williams, one of the better shot blockers in the league. Come attack the rim like you're going to try to meet us at the rim. We'll try to clear out to the three point line. We're not going to switch everything. We're going to like maybe they switch and play a little bit more of a like a drop coverage, but just stylistically on that end of the court, it feels like uh, things are going to be a, a lot different. And then on the offensive end of the court, we talked about this a little bit last podcast, but a lot of their offense was this free flowing five out, everyone jacking threes. I just don't know what the necessarily adjustment is going to be on that end, but. Um, I know Mo Dakiel, like kind of when analyzing the the Chris Tapps trade, was talking about like he thought Chris Tapps was going to be jacking threes in the Joe Missoula system. I it feels like much more likely that they're going to try to get Chris Tapps some some touches in the in the post and just trying to use his size that way. Do they become much more of a, a kind of a slower size team? I wonder how Missoula ball fits with this offense and just how how the entire kind of structure of the the team fits or changes now that they have just kind of a, a kind of a, a different style roster. Yeah. And, and honestly, the Porzingis acquisition is something that can change a lot, including like 
how you who you target right like as acquisitions or who you're comfortable with in playing time and i think back to the jazz teams with rudy gobert and and obviously rudy was three-time defensive player of the year one of the best defensive players and and that allowed them to go get guys who couldn't necessarily stay in front of their man all the time and they ran into issues with that deeper in the playoffs but like they had joe ingles they had jordan clarkson they had Donovan Mitchell, they had Mike Conley, like they had (laughs) they just had four shitty defenders. (laughs) No, but they were able to load up on skilled perimeter players who couldn't necessarily guard their man great. And that was one of their roster building advantages was that they knew they had Rudy behind him. And the Celtics will have a lot of size to to make up for guys getting beat off off the bounce. They'll have a lot of rim like tons of rim protection back there with Porzingis and Robert Williams especially, but also Al Horford and even Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to some extent, and Derek White to some extent. Delano Banton, his block rate was crazy last year. Not that he'll can we play just talk lot, about but... can we just talk about where like I haven't heard the name Delano Banton until a week and a half ago. Where the hell did Delano Banton come from and why do I feel like an idiot for not knowing who he is? He played at Western Kentucky, then he transferred to Nebraska. And in his last season in college, he averaged fewer than 10 points per game, but was like a six nine point guard who ran the show and kind of has like shades of Kyle Anderson, I would say. I, w- I wouldn't say it's entirely Kyle, but there are shades of like slow mo, like weird six nine ball handler type of thing going on there um so he has a unique and funky game but he can also like he he loaded up on steals and blocks last year and especially blocks his block rate for a guy who played the guard shot blockers in the league and has been for a while so he's interesting i don't know if he's anything more than that but he's definitely interesting he'll help them who knows how much maybe (laughs) not at all maybe very little uh, but he does have like a very unique skill set at six nine, and it, it did feel like the Celtics. One of their objectives this year seemed to be to just get bigger, and they went from Marcus Smart to Chris Porzingis. They lost Grant Williams, obviously, um, but they like the two guys that they've picked up so far are Brissett, who's like a athletic six seven. Jordan Walsh, the the rookie who's six eight and super long. I think he or I think he has a seven two wingspan. He was measured at, so he was one of the longest forwards in the draft. And then Banton, who's like a six nine guard, is just outrageously long for a guy with his ball handling ability. Again, I don't I don't know if that those guys are good acquisitions or will help much at all, but they're definitely bigger now and. And who knows, maybe maybe even though they lost Smart, even though they lost Grant Williams, that extra size will help them be very good defensively regardless. But the, it, like you said, they'll be different. And I don't think there's any getting around that. They uh, Stylistically, like you said, Porzingis is a big change. Like a, a really big change. And they've kind of played drop with like somebody – 
with Robert Williams, like just lurking off someone in the background a lot of the time anyway. So that maybe it won't be a huge change. Um, but it's also possible it is. And I don't know. I, I'm interested to see. And a lot of this comes down to like, is Derek White ready to be a point guard? Is he, is he capable? Like if you empower him, can he one shoot like he did last season and two reach another level as a playmaker? I think that's possible. At least he was great last year. The fact that he didn't play crunch time minutes all season long, I think that really frustrated some people inside the Celtics. Um, and now he's definitely going to be playing those minutes. And I don't think there will be many times, if any, when he's sitting on the bench in crunch time for better and worse. And I think probably mostly for better, honestly, but there will also be times when Marcus Smart and Grant Williams will really be missed. The Celtics writers are, we're the, we're the ones who really took a hit this off season. <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Smart and Grant Williams. Those guys were so good to us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The two probably best, it's, it's most sad, interesting sad locker room people other than Luke Cornett, uh, who, who knows if he'll even be back at this point. Um, but yes, way to way to center yourself in this conversation, uh, Jay, you and the Celtics writers really hurting. It, it took me one. about a half an hour to to bring up myself, so I, I should <laughs> deserve a little credit for that. But yeah, we <laughs> those were two guys. They were willing 
willing to talk at all times. They they were always helpful to us, like went out of their way to help us, even when sometimes I'm sure we were annoying them. And they're just really good dudes. Like That's one thing I, I wanted to say about Grant is that he's just genuinely like one of the nicer and genuine people that I've interacted with around the NBA and just a genuinely nice person. And you come, you sometimes you hear about the like stuff in the community that like players do, but then sometimes I would hear about stuff that just like wasn't publicized that Grant would do. And he was just like a genuinely nice guy who wanted to get to know everyone, treated everyone like a uh, respectful way. And was just having been in a lot of, uh, NBA locker rooms or NBA situations around players. The players mostly don't give a fuck about these random people milling about, but Grant was like, would treat you like a human being. And shouts to Grant Williams for uh, showing up at whatever that Michael Rubin white party was in the Hamptons, just being the least famous person there. That was hilarious. I don't think um, he was the least famous. I know, but he was the, he was of the famous people there. He was the lowest level of celebrity. Like he was the most, he was the least famous person who was still recognizable in terms of the pictures because that was a heavy hitting uh, attendee list. But um, yeah, no, I just want to say shouts to Grant. He's just a good dude. Like, and uh, I think it's actually going to work out pretty well for him in Dallas. I feel like he has a much bigger a role for him. I think he brings some toughness there, but also just like as a guy who can just be in the corner for Luca and Kyrie and just like knock down corner threes. Um, I like he got he got paid like I uh, happy for Grant that he's going to find a, a, a role in Dallas. And but that's yeah, I think he and smart both landed in really good places for them. Grant Grant's like a perfect fit next to Luca because he'll give you that defensive versatility. He'll take on some of the tougher assignments. He'll do whatever it takes, dirty work, whatever. And then also he can just spot up in the corner and it won't matter that he's is limited in some ways offensively. It'll just be like, that's what you need him to do because Luke can make every play else to make plays, especially with Kyrie alongside Luca. It's just, could they get size? Could they get more defense and could they get shooting around those guys? And Grant checks all those boxes for them. I think it's a really, really great fit for them. Did they really give a <laughs> unprotected 2030 pick swap though? Uh to the Spurs, yes, because they to take on Reggie Bullock's contract. That could be the number one pick in the draft. If, if Luca has asked out by then, yes. That could absolutely be the number one pick in the draft. So the Spurs Spurs are just assembling pick swaps, future pick swaps. They've got the 2028 Celtics pick swap, 2030 Mavericks pick swap, and a fellow named Victor. So are you, you're on your way to summer league right now. Are, is, are you just most excited to see Victor or are you just a, a big Jordan Walsh guy? I cannot wait to see J.D. Davison. Oh, I really? You've seen him before. I feel like that's a weird thing to be on the top of your summer league list. No, I, I don't. I mean, it it should be. Uh, the Celtics don't have the most interesting team ever. Sounds like Banton will play, so that's cool. 
Is he a rookie? You were saying he was at Western Kentucky and then Nebraska, but is he? No, he just, played. Uh, he played for the Raptors for a little while. Oh, he's part of the Raptors uh, stable of six ten, six nine people. Yeah, he just goes from from that to Celtic stable of of six nine people. He also went to the McDuffie School. Oh, in Western Massachusetts. Sure. All of us know about the McDuffie School in Western Massachusetts. We used to hang out there and shoot hoops. I'm in. <laughs> I've never you heard of the McDuffie School. It. Why would I know about the McDuffie School? What Western Massachusetts? <laughs> Massachusetts Mass doesn't exist outside the 95 belt, according to me. As soon as you cross 128.95, well, you just entered a different, less than state. See, I, I just disagree there. Oh, yeah, See, because you're me. one of those uh, out-of-staters. You're one of those weird Berkshire folk. I am not a Berkshire folk. <laughs> <laughs> but I am from Western Mass. Uh, what else? What else? What do you expect next from the Celtics? Just a quiet, extend. I'm waiting Jaylen for that the Supermax. I think it's a little weird that Jalen hasn't signed the Supermax yet. I think they were waiting on this Grant deal, but like you would have thought that might have probably happened already. I don't know what's left to negotiate. I wouldn't be shocked by a Brogdon deal, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they just like go into the like they fill it out with some more minimum guys and just kind of go into the season and try to make like I don't know. Brad has what 80, 85 second round picks now to to sweeten some midseason deals. Maybe maybe that's where the kind of trade comes in is a midseason. Um, I don't know. It's going to be definitely weird, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how things work out with Chris Tapps and how he fits in around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and how much he accentuates and makes Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown better. Because at the end of the day, we can talk about all the moves around that, but it's it comes down to your stars, especially in the new CBA. If the Celtics are going to win a championship, it's going to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown taking them all the way. Two years ago, Jason Tatum was not good at all in the finals, and they fell short. This year, Jalen Brown was not very good in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jason Tatum wasn't as good as he needed to be, and they fell short. And so it's how much Chris Tapps is going to kind of improve or make their lives easier, I guess, on the offensive end that I think is going to have the biggest impact on, on what this team does moving forward. Yeah, and the biggest issue late in the playoffs was just the offense drying up for stretches, often stretches in fourth quarters of games. And they needed to try to address that somehow. They could have just done it with internal development, but they're going to have a totally different look now late in games. And I think Porzingis will be very involved in whatever happens in games. They'll probably throw it to him down in the post sometimes against switches. He'll definitely be a spacer to for those guys, and he's a threat. I don't think Marcus Smart was always a threat, especially when he was at the arc. He could shoot a little bit, but teams, they were always cool with leaving him, and I don't think that's going to be the same with Porzingis all the time. So who knows? I don't know, honestly, if the Celtics got better, if they got worse, if they're similar. So much comes down to our Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown going to be ready to carry them to – long runs and more than what they've gotten so far. And they've gotten a lot so far. But like for the Nuggets, last year was just their time. Like everyone was healthy. 
Jokic was at his absolute peak, even though he kind of has been at his peak for a while now, but everyone else around him was healthy. Everyone else around him was ready. Everyone else around him was bought in. And uh, the Celtics need that. Who knows? I don't know. I'm. It's July. We don't need to know. Not great analysis, but I don't know. I don't know. Have no idea whether they're better. Have no idea. It's honest. Uh, It's better than us making a bunch of bold takes about what is definitively going to happen when games start in uh, October. We have no idea. But you know what? You know what's awesome? We're going to podcast for the next three months, and we're not going to have any better sense of what's going to happen. But we'll give a whole hell of a lot of takes between now and then about what this team's going to look like, what we think it's going to look like. Uh, And that's kind of the beauty of uh, here, sports on the Internet. So thank you guys for listening in. Uh, We'll be back next week. Jay King will be live from Las Vegas. If you guys you guys have never gotten the experience of seeing Jay King out in Las Vegas, he's a he's a different man, a dangerous man, some would say. And so we'll get some live reporting from the dangerous Jay King next week in Las Vegas as, you know, the ever fascinating dangerous in Las Vegas. Bro, just let me hype up you uh, in Las Vegas. We need some. We need some reason for people to tune into the Summer League podcast. The roster's not doing it for them. They want dangerous Jay King stories. <laughs> well, then I'll try to. Actually, I will not give them dangerous Jay King stories. I'll try to fabricate dangerous Jay King stories. Yeah, try to get Corrales drunk. See if he'll do something weird. You know, just maybe Himmelsbach will do something crazy. Who knows? That sounds unlikely. <laughs> Sounds very unlikely, but if it does happen, we'll tell you. We'll probably wouldn't tell you at all at all about it, but we'll make vague references to it uh, here on anything is potable.